Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, everybody. We are back. We're back with a brand new episode. Guess who's back? Back, back again. again. <laughs> Podcast is back. Tell a friend. Tell In fact, tell friends. more than one friend. Tell all your <laughs> that friends. would be nice. Anyway. <laughs> Today, Sophie and I, we're both on the sofa. Usually when we're on the sofa, we're, you know, opposite each other. The self-care two- sofa is actually two sofas. <laughs> yeah, there are two sofas. But today, and and usually when we're on the sofas, we're just like looking at each other whilst we have the conversation. Staring into each other's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Gets quite romantic, doesn't it? <laughs> but not today. <laughs> no, today today we're actually lying down. We've got some bean bags behind our heads. For yeah, comfort. so if you can hear any noises... It's probably one of us moving or even just like breathing because we're on a beanbag. Yeah. And we're just lying down. Now, there is a reason for this. Yeah. So today, the 15th of May, actually kicks off in the UK Mental Health Awareness Week. That it does. And on that topic, we're very passionate about mental health, mental health in young people, mental Mm -hmm. health in all ages. And being able to talk openly with your friends and family about mental health problems. We think that one of the biggest ways of dealing with issues in the first place is by getting vulnerable. And preventing those issues, actually. So it would kind of be remiss of us if we didn't practice what we preached. We actually kind of had a little bit of a... We didn't have a debate over this episode. We were both going back and forth because well it's slightly contentious because it's quite nerve-wracking to sort of yeah this is probably the most nervous we've been to film an episode 100 uh, we haven't actually really said today we're going to be talking about our own mental health and obviously that is a nerve-wracking thing to do publicly mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously we're just putting this out there for anyone to listen to strangers yeah friends literally anyone can go and listen to this now mm. so we each kind of had internal debates about whether we wanted to do this episode mm. and talk about mental health in such a personal way rather than in an in abstract general. sense. Yeah. yeah. But we decided that we do want to practice what we preach and that is the best way to break down the stigma around mental health is to have more and more open conversations about it. Yeah. And if one little conversation between me and Lydia on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you're listening on, helps someone to, I don't know, feel better about how they're feeling, feel a bit more normal, or even inspires them to go and have a conversation with one of their loved ones about it, or maybe not even a loved one, maybe a professional, then it's more than worth it. More than worth our discomfort. (laughs) Yeah, I think think it's important for us to be raw and open about the struggles that we do face because we do the reason that self-care is so important to both of us is because that we've used it to As a way handle of our mental health yeah uh which is so it seems kind of odd to not talk about it on mm. the podcast so while we are slightly uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> understatement um <laughs> This is something that we're very passionate about and we've had these conversations before with each other. Yeah. um, But just sharing it so publicly is obviously quite different. So I guess please bear with us (laughs) if 
our thoughts don't seem super coherent as well. So I'll reintroduce myself in the context of mental health. My name is Sophie. I am 21 and I'm a student and I have depression and anxiety. It took quite a while. Well, to be fair, I've never actually been given a diagnosis. That's not really how GPs go about it nowadays. But seeing as I've now been on antidepressants for over a year. Wait, really? What they don't saying? give you a diagnosis even though you've been prescribed antidepressants? No, not really. Interesting. No one like sits you down and says, you have, you have this, that. I mean, I think they do in some cases, but they didn't for me and they don't a lot of the time. Okay. I've learned about it in, the, in my course. A diagnosis can be good for some people. It can be bad for other people. It can make you feel like you've been put into a box or it could basically make you feel more normal because mm. you've got a label and you realise that other people are dealing with it. How has it made you feel? good i wanted a diagnosis because i think it's very easy to invalidate your own mental health because right. obviously it's all internal and so by having someone saying to me that all of these feelings i was listing actually was something that other people experienced and that meant that there were ways to help it that was good for me mm. my gp didn't flat out say to me you have depression it was like a longer journey than that which I can go into when I actually felt I was for, I was far enough into treatment to be I guess qualified mm. to say that I had depression and anxiety I think that did like lift a weight off my shoulders having an actual name that I can put to it yeah I can see how that can be quite like reaffirming of yeah. your experiences yeah definitely so I first went to the GP when I was 18 I think I'd turned 18 like a couple of months before so I was in my last year of school and not doing very well I wasn't really coping very well with the pressure of school and I just wasn't feeling very happy uh that's a very simple way of putting depression I guess um, I think that's kind of a, the misconception of depression though isn't it what that, you that it's just like you're well, unhappy yeah there's well there's, so obviously, much... there's obviously a lot more to it than that but what can you tell us about the way it manifests for anyone that doesn't really understand it so i mean the way, the main way that you could categorize de depression is like it's long periods of low mood so that's why i wouldn't necessarily say it's a misconception that depression is being sad because that is kind of what it boils down to but there's more to it mm. than that yeah okay yeah so equally you can have periods of depression or low mood without being depressed or having depression if that makes sense it can kind of be more of a transitory state than actually having the con mental health condition depression mm. but there are other things that come along with that some of these things I'll have experienced others I won't because obviously I've learned about it in psychology as well but there's things like insomnia or sleeping more than you normally did mm -hmm. changes to appetite that could go either way you might not feel an appetite at all you might suddenly feel like you need to eat a lot more mm. there's things like constantly feeling like you're on the, the verge of tears but like you can't really like mm. put down why yeah things like physical pains can come with depression I haven't really had that that much but like headaches stomach aches and a lot of that comes with anxiety as well yeah anxiety often comes alongside depression I mean, there are a lot more things to it than that as well. But in general, you can kind of say it's feeling really, really low for 
a long time without like any form of relief effectively it's not like you're sad for a couple of days after something happens you're sad for a couple of months at least and often there isn't really like a reason you can put your finger on that triggered that it's like yeah yeah but there are there are different like types of depression like i would say that i've had situational depression for sure yeah so you can be depressed after like a specific event yeah obviously that's common in a lot of people with if you've experienced some sort of trauma or big life change that kind of thing yeah it comes in lots of different forms but yeah the main thing is just the low mood that you can't really shake it's a mood that is persistent not just like an emotion that goes away within a couple of days Mm. so yeah so I went to the GP when I was in sixth form my final year of school and as I said before I felt like I would be very validated by a diagnosis of some sort and that wasn't what I got at the time I found that the GP was quite invalidating for me which that must be really hard yeah I did find it difficult because obviously it just makes you question I don't know whether you're being dramatic that kind of thing you're reaching out to someone seeking help they're kind of like and for a lot of people, it's kind of that, like, last resort or a really difficult thing to do in the first place to go to the GP mm-hmm. and to then not require the reception that you desired yeah, definitely. and needed. It can be incredibly disheartening and just make everything worse for you. Yeah, it definitely took me a while to even go to the GP in the first place. So I yeah. did find it quite disheartening, like you said. I mean, I then found out later, this was literally in the last few months when I got access to my GP records for a support plan that I now have at uni for my mental health. Mm -hmm. I found out that my GP did actually refer me and the referral came back and gave like a plan and that just never got back to me, which I don't know if that's better or worse, but either way, it didn't make it back to me at the time. So I kind of felt like I was dismissed because that's what it sounded like she was saying to me. Right. So it took me quite a while to go back to the GP. When did, did you go back after that? Well, I did counselling in first year, but that was kind of after I went through some things. And so I did that more to kind of address events that I'd experienced recently. I first actually went back to the GP nearly two years after I went to the GP the first time. And that was, part, I think, partly because I'm you know, came to uni in that time, COVID was in that time, like, there were a lot of things putting it off, as well as obviously the fact that I've been put off by my past experience there. Yeah. But my experience going to the GP the second time could not have been more polar opposite, like, genuinely. Oh, really? My GP is so lovely, didn't question me at any point. Well, obviously questioned me, but not in a way that was invalidating. Yeah, like, skeptical skeptical about what you were going through. Yeah, and... Right very much just kind of helped me come up with a plan that really suited me at every point when he had a suggestion asked me if that was what I wanted to do that's really sweet and he yeah was so much better so after that I did a round of CBT which personally for me didn't do a lot Mm -hmm. it helped me go about my days a bit better but I it didn't like actually combat the mood and then after that I went on antidepressants for the first time which was about 15 months ago now and it's been trial and error since then but 
I can safely say that I am now on medication that works, which nice. is a very nice feeling. <laughs> yeah. I will say, and like I think I've said this to you before, but I genuinely do find it so commendable the fact that like suffering day in, day out, and you continually like being persistent and trying again and again. And even though it may not feel like that at the time, but you know, you going to the GP again and you trying new medication, like kind of not giving up, like I, I don't know how you do it. Thank you. It, it it does mean a lot because obviously if it was like something physical, let's say, I don't know, you had a rash on your leg. I'm looking at my legs now. I don't know. <laughs> but if you were trying medication and it didn't work, obviously it's frustrating, but you've got something so you can see it and the doctor can see it and mm. it's Direct not, fix. yeah, it's objective. Whereas the subjectivity of going in and saying, this isn't working or this is working or even just going into a GP in the first place or talking to family and friends about it. It's the subjectivity that makes it hard to describe, Yeah, which obviously makes it hard to find the right like plan for you. Yeah. And obviously with like finding the right medication and stuff, I have found that frustrating at times, but it sounds kind of weird when I'm literally talking about how I have depression, but I do think in general I have a positive outlook. Um, yeah, well, this is what I mean. Like, you don't really put positivity and depression together, but you've seemed to persist regardless. Well, obviously, that kind of, like, it does come and go with yeah, episodes for sure. and things. Yeah, but that makes sense. it's just resilience, which is just, it's basically the ability to, like, bounce back after something hard happens, mm-hmm. whether that's, like, a stressful time, I don't know, maybe an exam period or a trauma or, like, a loss, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember at school, like, they really, like, hammered that in. They were like, oh, resilience, 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 to the point where we would, like, roll our eyes as soon as we heard it. (laughs) But it is true. Obviously, it is really difficult to do when you're in that place. But being able to reach a difficult point and finally being able to say to yourself that you are where you are, a lot of the time it's difficult to even just say that you're not doing very well even if it's just yourself mm-hmm. and for me that resilience is being able to admit that and then trying to go and do something about it mm. and that can come in lots of different forms like engaging in your self-care more often leaning on a friend yeah leaning on a friend leaning on family or going to a professional about it mm-hmm. and all of the above have helped me to be fair in different ways yeah so Lydia obviously I know that we've spoken about each other's mental health to each other before but do you want to give people listening a little bit of an idea of what kind of stuff you've struggled with I think for me I've struggled with situational depression mm-hmm. particularly at university yeah and I think as you were saying like those big life changes a lot of you know alcohol obviously didn't help mm-hmm. um but it just was really difficult I've really like I think a lot of the times I've really struggled at uni just I don't know, a lot of internal things get brought up. Yeah. Like self-esteem. I think I've struggled with my self-esteem before. Mm-hmm. Still do. Um, like not feeling like good enough. Yeah. Particularly with like romantic relationships, mm-hmm. which sucks. <sighs> Mind you, you say that, but I'd like to point out to you that you are very good at taking those risks anyway. As in, like, putting myself out there. Yeah, and that is a huge risk. And 
people say it a lot but in terms of finding a relationship and being open to that it is a risk that you're taking and you are very good at that in spite of those in, internal struggles that you're having and I think mm-hmm. that's something that you need to pat yourself on the back for because it's not something that's easy to do I know that one thing we've both experienced um quite a bit in the past is a uh, derealization yeah do you want to talk about that yeah so for anyone that doesn't know derealization is like a disassociative disorder which essentially is characterized by you feeling like an outsider of your own world and like that nothing feels real. It's a really difficult thing to describe to other people or explain because... it's It sounds like delusion, doesn't it? But yeah. it's not. It's not like, oh, I'm in a, t- I'm in a TV world and I'm no, the main character. No, you're, you're literally very like, aware that it's happening. Yeah, but you just can't really connect with... Reality. Yeah, whether it's literally like, it could be the sofa you're sat on or it could be the person Mm. you're talking to. Like, there's something not there. Mm. That connection just is like like, impossible to forge. Yeah. And like you said, it is really hard to describe. It's so hard to describe. Uh, It also, unfortunately, is something that isn't really quote unquote treatable. It's manageable. The way I've dealt with it. So I've had derealization since I was 18, 17, I want to say. Does it come in phases for you or is it like pretty consistent? When it first happened, which by the way, when I say this, it is the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. I would not wish it upon my worst enemy. It's horrible. It makes you question everything. And it made you, it makes me, it made me feel like I was going insane. Obviously now I've come out the other end of it. Not, not to say that I don't still deal with it, but because I've learned to understand the disorder, I am able to better manage it when it happens. So originally at the beginning, it was really intense and I had no clue what was going on. Like genuinely no clue. I explained it to my family. Like they were like, what is going on? Like they didn't understand and neither did I. Um, And it was a really, really difficult period of time. It came and went, but obviously sometimes it'd be really bad. And what I've come to understand and learn is that just like anxiety, the more you the more you feed into it, the worse it gets. So what I tend to do now when it happens is I don't give in. So I don't admit that not necessarily admit that it's happening, but I don't You like don't give it the time of day. Yeah, I don't let it take over. Instead I try and distract myself. I'll go to my room and I'll watch a TV show, then I'll actually be fine. And that a lot of the time is what I have to do. Or I just like engage in conversation with other people and hopefully it just like settles down. It's a really bizarre way of, it's really hard to understand. It's all really hard to put into words, isn't it? Because there's no better way to put it than saying that everything feels surreal, but that doesn't Mm. really quite encapsulate just how, like the extent to which you feel that. It's like you look around and just like it's you might as well just not be. It makes you feel very like existential. (laughs) Yeah. You can just convince yourself that you and everything around you is just not real. It's fake. Yeah. Like Um, I, I, so for example, if I was going through it right now, I would look at you and you'd obviously I'd know that you were Sophie, but you'd feel so unfamiliar to me at the same time. Yeah. Which is so weird. And it's kind of like Truman Show-esque yeah this reality isn't actually real like it's really weird but um yeah i think i can now manage it better which is good also for some context derealization often come or like dissociation dissociation in general you can kind of use them 
interchangeably but they're like ever so slightly different mm-hmm. i think it's a defense mechanism effectively so so there's the swiss psychologist pierre janet i think and he said that as a way of you dealing with trauma or just really difficult situations your body disconnects itself from reality as a way of coping with it. Yeah, like so it shuts a, off the emotion effectively. Yeah, essentially your brain avoids situations for you, which is yeah. really annoying because you're just making it worse. And it, may, it as much as at time, you know, when you're going through something really hard, sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I could just not feel anything. So even though I don't deal with it as bad as I used to now, it still does pop up like if i'm really tired oh my god Mm. i'll literally be in my living room and i'll be like what is going on and then i just have to take myself to bed or like sometimes like weird lighting in supermarkets all of a sudden boom like nothing is real Mm. (laughs) and it's really weird because i'll sometimes i'll be in one aisle like let's say i'm like in the milk aisle right and i'm getting my milk at little a whole aisle of milk okay no I'll, i'll be in the milk section of little and then and then all of a sudden I'm in the egg section, but I don't realise how I've gone from A to B. Yeah, I think a lot of people say it in terms of like driving, which sounds disconcerting, but if it's like a route that you drive a lot, sometimes yeah. you can kind of just defer to muscle memory and you'll get there. You'll arrive at your destination completely safely mm. and you were paying attention the whole time, but you mm. can't, you can't remember the journey. Head. Yeah, it's a time jump and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, how have I just gone from A to B and I don't... And that happens a lot. And that's just really like unsettling. But um, yeah, still still go through it. But honestly, it's uh, like at this point, it's manageable. It's fine. It doesn't really take over my life. And I'm quite happy that I've gotten to this point because truly I thought I was going to be insane and like deal with, like struggle with it forever. You can tell from what we're saying that both of us have, there are things that we're still experiencing, but we're definitely at better points with them now. For sure than we perhaps ever were i think both of us have a pretty good control over these issues at the moment obviously that is subject to change we both know that but for now we're doing pretty well (laughs) we are we are and i'll be honest though i had a down day yesterday oh did you yeah any triggers in particular like supermarket lighting no more so with just feeling a bit poop about myself Mm, a self-esteem this is the thing that i really struggle with if i'm in a really good place i'm actually good like there's no faking it this is the this is the thing there's no faking it with me like if i'm really good i'm really good everyone can see it and i feel great and like honestly love life if i'm bad i just and then i get really in my head because I'm like, oh, no one was going to want to be around me because I feel awful. And then I like withdraw socially. Mm. And then that makes me feel worse. And it's just this like... It's such a vicious circle. It's such a vicious circle. And oh, I don't know. I think I'm getting in my head. I but think yeah. it's a self-esteem thing. Did you find something in particular that helped with your bad day? Are you still having your bad 24 hours? I am. Yeah. I am. But I've got a dinner with a really close friend of mine tonight. And then I think we're watching a movie later. And so I think that should make me feel better. But then again, I struggle with that in itself because it's like, I know that internally I'm not having the best time. Am I just going to turn up to this dinner? Like, oh yeah, everything's good. Like what? (laughs) So then I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself to be 
in a good place for the sake of other people, but also obviously myself. Oh, it is a lot of pressure. Oh God, it's just a lot. But as you said, this is a really close friend of yours. Yeah. Do they normally bring your mood up? Yeah. Thing is, sometimes when you're in that bad mood, it's really difficult to even conceive of something that could bring that mood up. But from the sounds of it, even if it does, even if it could go either way, this dinner, this little bit of socialization, a little movie night, has the potential to really help. Whether you go in and you say, listen, I'm having a bad 48 hours, but I just want to enjoy this dinner with you. Or whether you just fake it till you make it. Yeah. I think I'll be fine. I'm just going to try and embrace it and not be in my head. Yeah. As much. Yeah. And hopefully that should make me feel better. I think it will. So obviously... Yes, our mental health comes and goes in... Uh, it has peaks and troughs. God, I feel like I've just really... I feel like we've just had a therapy session. I mean, the lying down, as you said, is very Freudian. <laughs> it's, we're, we are feeling very Freudian right now. Well, actually, no. Freud, this was, is... Freud was a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, he is. Actually. <laughs> we've just got the uh, the sofa set up in a similar, similar way. Mm. I feel like I've gone really honest here. Which is good bit emotional so i guess a good way to kind of close the mental health conversation is a little bit of a summary of how we got from our lower places to where we are now which is i'm gonna say relatively stable and good yeah um i guess i can kick off for me it was really opening up to both professionals like my GP who I love and my family and friends because I became very good at hiding how I was feeling and just getting on with things and putting on a brave happy face. Sophie is too good at (laughs) doing that it's actually very scary. Sophie at one point was like oh yeah for these like two months I was at a really low place and I was like surely not (laughs) Uh, because like we'd been friends and and I'd like to think that I'm quite you know empathic and can sense when someone's off you are but blimey you chameleon (laughs) over there you really you really know how to hide it um it's something I got very good at (laughs) but too good but the best piece of advice that I can give is to just take that plunge and don't hide it literally what mm. is what good is going to come from hiding it like what saving face who cares like no you definitely don't hide it it's just another way of avoiding what you're really going through and honestly and leaning it just on makes the problem last for longer yeah leaning on people is how you get through things and being open about how you feel and just really as we say always on this podcast, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's I'd the way you grow. I'd say give people the benefit of the doubt. It's really easy to kind of go, oh, they won't understand, so I'm not going to tell them. Mm. You'll be surprised. You would be surprised. Give You'd be surprised how many people have actually gone through similar things. I can speak on this personally. When I was going through a really, really, really hard time, obviously I'm quite close to my family, but I think at this point, 
my mum and I had had our own things going on and I just didn't really think that she'd be the best person to tell or open up to and I couldn't have been more wrong. Mm. I think I just assumed that my mum was a certain way and that she wouldn't necessarily understand and you know we've spoken about this now but she was truly just so good about everything and took me massively by surprise and was just like went through it all with me and wanted me to get better and love you mum <laughs> the people that are around you they care about you and if they don't understand the likelihood is they will ask you questions to try to and yeah. whether you're willing to go into that or not but genuinely telling at least one person is the first step and it is scarier to think of than to actually do it. There's a quote, I can't remember it exactly. So I'll give you the gist of quote it. Alert, quote alert, quote alert, Nina, Nina. The gist of it is if you worry a lot about a something that you think is going to be stressful, then you're just getting double the stress out of it. Worrying doesn't actually have much of it's not constructive yeah to an extent and so if you're spending all of your time consumed with worry about one thing say that's talking to someone about your mental health then you're having to go through that stressful experience twice because you're worrying about it so much and this quote put it in a much more concise way but that is the gist of it (laughs) but i like the explanation i like it a lot thank you and that is coming from someone who is very anxious so (laughs) not right now but in general (laughs) so yeah I just like that because it's kind of like what's the sense in this what am I actually gaining from this Mm. um sometimes it's better to just take the plunge well since we've come to the end of this podcast we hope you've enjoyed listening but we would like to say we have a a, a putty put announcement (laughs) (laughs) That's wrong, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. And pretty amount announcement. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, this is the penultimate episode. Oh god, you made it sound really like gloomy and doomy. This is the penultimate episode. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. <laughs> that is right. We actually only have one more episode left of the self care so far. I can't believe. I know, it is very weird. This was only ever meant to be a one-year thing because Mm -hmm. we are leaving uni. Departing. We don't know where we'll be. And so this is, unfortunately, temporary. All good things must come to an end. Exactly. And that means that next week's episode, episode 20... The big 2-0. ...is the final episode. So make sure you tune in for that one. Maybe we might cry. Maybe we will. I do cry at endings. Oh. My recommendation for the week is a bit rogue because I've not actually had them in a while, but cinnamon buns. (laughs) (laughs) I... Sorry, I'm not a cinnamon girl. I love cinnamon. Cinnamon. Lydia, what's yours? (laughs) My recommendation this week is Married at First Sight Australia Season 10. Right. Guys, 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 listen up. (laughs) If you like reality TV, 
or even if you don't, you've got to watch this show. The tea is piping oh hot. Oh my God, I've never been so hooked on a reality show in my life. We should give people a fair warning though. There are a lot of episodes. Oh yeah, what, 37? Yeah. I've watched 27 episodes in the past, I think, week and a half. I'm obsessed. When I, I got last spoke to you about it, it, you were on episode seven. Yeah. I I watch like two or three episodes a day. I'm obsessed. And it is exam season, so you must wonder. <laughs> you guys can't see, but my jaw is well and truly dropped. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think it's just the premise. Like, obviously, it's about love and relationships, which obviously, love that. But like, these people are just... And it's about finding like compatibility in a partner. I remember when I first heard about this show a while ago, Married at First Sight, like how ridiculous, like who the hell is doing that? Yeah. But it's a genuinely really cool experiment and a lot of people do apply. I think they had like 10,000 applicants even. What the heck? And it's just phenomenal. Like I'm I'm hooked. I'm well and truly hooked. These Some of these people are awful. Some of the couples are incredible and they're so mm. cute and sweet. And you know, you learn a lot about the way people navigate things, the right way to do things, the wrong way. They get these love experts to come on and they dish out advice and put people in their place. It's unbelievably good. Honestly, I cannot like recommend it enough. And currently watching season 10, drilling my way through it. And honestly, it's been great. (laughs) It is good. It is the good stuff. Quality entertainment. The good stuff. The good stuff. So... You have one week until the final episode. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Before then, feel free to check out our 18 past episodes. Yeah. And we really hope you enjoyed this one. And if you have spare time, watch Maths Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst eating a cinnamon bun. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a good week. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Yep. And as always... Take Take care. care.